A Black Man Sketch is a podcast produced at Ujama Place in celebration of 10 years of service to its men in the community. A weekly podcast featuring Ujama men was impacted by the COVID-19 shelter-in-place mandate by Governor Waltz. We are back with community conversations about critical issues impacting black men. A Black Man Sketch, a podcast by Ujama Men. Hello, everyone. My name is Stevenson Morgan. I am a coach at Ujama Place. I come to you at these troubled times while we're dealing with this COVID experience, as well as an assault on our community. I just would like to share with you all a segment of Dr. Martin Luther King's speech from 1967, the other speech in regards to riots and the conditions that we are experiencing right now in our society. I think America must see that the riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society, which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what it is that America has failed to hear. It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. And so in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in a position of having these reoccurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are absolute guarantors of riot prevention. Good evening. Thank you, Stevenson. Thank you for that preemma of the prophetic words of Dr. King that was spoken in 1967. Those words uh, reverberate as if he wrote them last night. Yeah, great segue into the story where we'll be featuring this evening. We're here to talk about our friend, our father, uncle, son, friend, George Floyd. As you know, Mr. Floyd is not with us this evening because of a senseless racist act. We're here today to bring comfort and Hopefully some solution as we move forward, as we continue the assault on the social, economic, and wealth gap. I'll be joined this evening by a couple of great Ujama friends and men. First of all, we'll be having Mr. Kimmy here. Hello, my name is Kemi Abtezi. I am, uh, have the pleasure of being both a student and a teacher within the life skills class. When it comes to trauma, particularly trauma during an international health crisis, the biggest question the men have been asking during the life skills class is what do we do? Mm -hmm. We already can't go outside. We already are limited to the means by and through which we build community, engage with each other. And now we have to deal with the remembering of not just George Floyd, 
but the remembering of all these black lives that have been taken not just in recent years but over the centuries and traumatic epigenetics tells us that that lives within the framework of our body that there is an ancestral memory to the trauma that continues to take place so when I see brother George I see myself I cannot help but see myself I cannot help but see the three other police officers surrounding the police officer with the knee on Brother George's neck. And I can't help but see the crowd around Brother George as he's watching him die. And I can't help but hear Brother George pleading for his life. In watching that video, I was quite familiar even with the technique that the law enforcement officer used. It's a basic jujitsu technique that they use in order to restrain, handcuff, and then relieve the pressure in order to usually pick the suspect up and put him in the back of the car. Having had or been in that position from a training standpoint, I know what kind of pressure that can have on your back, let alone your neck, let alone your neck for up to eight minutes. Yes, he died on the scene. Yes. Yes. So now we have to address how we see ourselves in Brother George. We have to now address what it feels like to be killed on the street in front of people feeling completely helpless. This is the trauma that we're dealing with is as we speak literally the Twin Cities is on fire we have seen the trauma and the frustration being acted out in real time can I get you and Stevenson to come in on on what uh, what did this what, what, did, what did this speak into what did this speaking about when you're seeing people taken to the streets or uh, as this has been a tipping point it has caused America to react and we see some people may la- label it as a riot or violence but what do you see? I can definitely go on that one <laughs> Go ahead Kenny, I'll, I'll go after okay. you go uh, Absolutely, because I was out on 30th Street in Chicago, 38th Street in Chicago okay. and there was no riot mm-hmm. these were people gathering in solidarity at the place where he was killed Yes. Now, what's not in the news right now is how a person of European heritage came and fired six shots in the air at the crowd. That's not in the news at all. I was there. Mm-hmm. No, first time. Yeah, that's not it. First time a lot of people probably hear this. 
you know, and it's so funny that you would bring. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm going to just because no, there's, there's multiple questions, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Because that happened after protesters, and I'm just they're not even protesting. They were gathering at the precinct, and they were fired upon with rubber bullets and tear gas and flash grenades, and then to address the fire, mm-hmm. right? That I watched on. Facebook Live last night actually start. The redirection of the narrative that I see, because yesterday it was protesters. Today it's rioters, right? Mm -hmm. Yesterday it was peaceful people. Today these rioters are violent. But I have yet to have heard any media outlet refer to the police officers that killed George Floyd as violent. Not a one. It's considered violent. Commercial property can be replaced. Small businesses can be recompensated for. George Floyd is still dead. Yes. And his killers are still free. And I really like that word still because, you know, this is this is a manifestation of, of the conditions that, that we suffer every day. And, and I think uh, I agree with you totally. I, I think uh, everything always gets misdirection, gets gets misdirected. And, and it doesn't lead us to the solution of why the people are even in the street. I even look at the situation with the, with the individual, you know, um, George having to lose his life in order for us to begin to have a conversation like this. It just breaks my heart that, you know, again, I, I referred to Dr. King in 1967 and, and, and Otis alluding to the fact that 2020 and the conditions are really the same. And, and I, I just I don't know how we're going to get off this hamster wheel and really start addressing this darkness that, that we find ourselves in. Because, again, you know, if we don't begin to, to deal with what's really going on, we already know there's going to be another. It's going to be somebody else's son. And, and, and like you said, Kimmy, it could be one of us. And they could pull me over and I'm not really in a good way, you know, and, and, and I'm going to be treated a little bit differently because maybe I come off as, as passionate or I've, I've just had enough, you know, and, and we just don't get no allowances. And I just hope I just hope to God that we could just finally just, you know, I, I don't want to dismiss anybody's life because there's so many other people that we could name that we could be fighting for. And we got to address these conditions that we are living under as, 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 as black people. And somewhere along the line, you know, the other races are, are, are going to have to have to realize that this is what you created. You know, I, I just wish we can begin to have more conversations about the darkness. And I'm not trying to minimize what happened, but we have to realize that this is just a manifestation of something much, much greater and much deeper. That if we don't address it again, we're, we're going to be having this repeated in some sort of way. We got to get to the heart of this. Yes. Brother DeMonte Matthews, uh, you are your drama man. This. Yes, sir. You own the pathway of you on your pathway to um, transformation, if we may. Uh, I know that you are realizing a lot of your goals and dreams. But um, the question on the table, uh, what's your reaction to to what's taking place on our streets right now? Hi, hello. My name is DeMonte Matthews. I am a part of Ujama. I've been a part of Ujama for about two years now. You said, what's my reaction to the uh, 
what's going on right now? Yes. The response the, uh, the response from the community about George Floyd's death. Uh so like um my response is try to stay away from the rioting, the fires, burning our own city apart. Uh, like really not making response, trying to stay safe because it's a lot of like it's a lot of bad stuff going on right now. Like as a black man, since that happened to, to George, I feel like you know it could be anybody, and. I feel like with the government, I feel like someone has to be, they have to make an example at least somebody, you know, because it's just happening over and over and now it's starting to like put fear in black people. And uh, that's the response I'm, uh, I'm getting from the whole incident. It's kind of like just shaking me up. I don't know if I'm the only black man that shook up from the situation, but I know I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting kind of scared now. I'm yes. down to uh, police officers, you know, being outside at the wrong time. Absolutely. Kimmy, uh, recently we've seen almost an assault on being just a black man. It's well played out how a black man can get the police called on for barbecuing in his backyard or jogging down the street can lead to death. Uh, you can get the police calling you for looking at a white woman. Uh, from a trauma standpoint, uh, can you talk about this about how this plays on your psyche, how it does on your self-esteem as you move forward, uh, just the day-to-day uh, -day trauma of just trying to survive as a black man. We've heard from Mr. DeMonte, although he's got a job, he has to commute, he's in fear of being stopped, you know, and uh, and so uh, we try to talk about self-esteem. Uh, how do you just exist in this world uh, with that um, overarching fear concern I can't speak for anyone else but myself that's really important for me I want to speak about dealing with reality if you have a fear then we need to study that fear because the reality of the situation repeating itself is quite unfortunately almost guaranteed. And that's not to um, diminish hope. That's not to diminish any sense of transcendence beyond our current situation. I want to deal with reality as it is. If we have a fear of moving about in our everyday reality based on real world situations and circumstances, you trying to deny that reality cannot improve your psychological health. Absolutely. What can improve your psychological health is speaking about that fear knowing that you're not alone in that fear, naming that fear, being with that fear, sitting down and having coffee with that fear, mm. Mm. 
to where that fear is now a friend. I am not interested in anything else but reality because I don't have the capacity to try and inspire you out of it. Mm. I, I really do not. I'm much, much more interested in focusing on what we can do. And for me, the most powerful thing that we can do is what we're doing right now. Yes. Being there for each other, Mm -hmm. listening to each other's concerns, not needing to edit each other. Because at the end of the day, I need you to know that you are not alone. I need you to know that there is a sense, an innate sense of belonging within you and through you. I need you to know that you are quite literally a divine expression and not hypothetically. That the spirit that animates your body is a spirit that animates all of existence. Once again, not theoretically or hypothetically. I just need you to breathe in and breathe out and know that you can do so. The reality of our current situation is the reality that, frankly, your generation experienced in a a level of (laughs) overtness that we don't currently experience because of your generation. Mm But then, as Stevenson said, we have to question if this is still happening in 2020 and Dr. King could summarize what's happening in 1967, how far have we come? If we're speaking about Dr. King's words in regards to the winters of delay, we in Minnesota, we know all about winter. Yes. Okay. So African people all over the world are experiencing this winter of delay. Because the debt to society has not been paid. It's not. So we have to carry on that debt. And that debt is our trauma. Yes. Absolutely. I open this segment up, Stevenson, acknowledging the social, economic, health gaps. At the end of the day, we're still coming back to where we racism and poverty. Going forward, we got in a, again, we got in a situation we bring attention to those gaps. From your perspective, how do we feel these gaps? What's, what's missing? Why are we still, as Kimmy mentioned, uh, generations later, we're still at the same point of beginning? I, I really believe, uh, you know, for amending to occur, uh, the those powers that be, they need to realize that despair leads to anger. And, and, and I think they haven't been able to connect that dot. I, I think they believe that despair is something that's tolerable. And but when you sit in our, the seat that we sit in day after day, delay after delay, somewhere along the line, Uh, I've heard the term powder keg and eventually it's going to blow. And when we have incidents 
like like we see here uh, with another death, you know, the fuse has been lit again. And, and we have to figure out, you know, what are we going to do and what argument are we going to have for the meaning to occur? And we have to get to the heart of it because I, I hate to say it, I don't want to minimize the death, but, but, but his, his death has to say more than that he's just not here. It has to say more than that. And when we have to begin to have those conversations about giving us social enterprise, giving us land to cultivate, you know, giving us a, a space to to exercise power, you know, giving us a, 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 us a space to be in control of our own destiny. They wouldn't let us take that from them under no circumstances. Under no circumstances would, would we be allowed to take that away from them. And we go on about our day to day when the when the when the chaos dies down, we see this time and time again. We go right back to our comfortable seats, which are really uncomfortable seats. And and it's almost like we don't even know any better because we've been trained so well. And we got a break out of that. It's just this paradigm that they got us locked in. And so, you know, the the thing that that, that I see right now, we need to begin to have conversations is we want this thing to mend permanently. We don't want any more Band-Aids. Mm-hmm. And, and I think individuals like you and, and your colleagues, Otis, that, that you talk to, you know, I'll stand with you, man. We need, to, we need to demand economic justice. To me, this thing is all about us not having a place. And, and time and time again, I talk with the men all the time. First thing they want is a job. And, and, and they need to be given a job in spite of their credentials, in spite of no degree, not finishing high school. You earn, then you learn. And I think so many times we're trying to teach when all a person wants to do is earn. And when you give a person an opportunity to, to earn, that's when you open up the opportunity for them to learn. And, and that's how I feel. That's, that's my three and a half years experience of dealing with the Ujamaa man. Every time they come to me after they do intake, I, I normally see them next because you know what they want? They want a job. They want, a, they, want, they want the opportunity that me and Monique talk about time and time again. I, I'm going to say this again. We need to have a big warehouse where I don't care if you mess up a 10,000 times. I got your back. I got your back. You know what? Maybe we got to adjust your schedule because you just can't get up at eight o'clock. But we got the capacity to work with you and we need to see that thing through. There's nothing like that around. Nothing like that. Nobody is willing to really do what needs to be what really needs to be done. And that's why we keep going through this vicious hamster wheel over and over. Mending is never going to occur until we can begin. Just like Kimmy said, there's a reality that we have to deal with. And every time we get to this fork in the road, we always deal with the things that really don't matter. They really don't matter. Yes. And we got to begin to get to the heart and to the root of what's going on. Okay. Thank you, brother. You know, um, I just got to need to go back upstream once we get into solutions. But um, I think we all would agree that immediately after the video videotape surfaced of brother George's murder, that the um, swift action of the Minneapolis mayor and the police chief of firing the four principal officers were admirable. However, it did pull back the healing scar of the historical relationship that law enforcement has with the black community. 
uh, there's still a level of distrust, although they did the immediate termination. In the mind of black people, we still felt that they would get off, that they wouldn't be charged, that the county attorney would not charge them, or that through the great delays, they try to make a back page news and that there'll come a time when they, when the jury would exonerate them. Could we just, for the panel, just, just talk about the relationship that we have experienced with law enforcement has, that we don't feel represented by law enforcement and it's created this great divide or this distrust between this agency, uh, law enforcement agency, not just in Minnesota, but around the country in black community. At one of our power hour meetings, I asked the question, why do you run from the police? And they went on to talk about uh, the harassment, the beatings, and and uh, just uh, just being frisked because you were walking in black. So I just wanted to yeah. come from your perspective, have you had an experience like that? Can you talk about what are your what are the brothers saying to you about this relationship um, with the cops that uh, that lead to your fear of being stopped? Um. Yes. With uh, our relationship, it's not so good because once I see a police officer, I tend to go the other way. Um, but with that, that's uh, that's a fear that I have because uh, I I've been in the same situation as Brother George when I had uh, when police officers you know putting their hands on me and putting their knee down on my face and stuff like that. I had the same situation, but uh, fortunately, I'm still here today. So I I know the feeling of uh, being face down on the ground and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's definitely going to put a fear that I never I never got over that fear as well. So like when I do see a police officer, uh, I I listen. Uh, try not to argue and stuff like that, but that's that's just because of fear. The Commissioner of Public Safety is doing the founders of Ujamaa. Keith Ellison is a good friend of Ujamaa. I'm a personal friend of the police chief, Todd Axel. We on the phone often. A blueprint of avoidance. What, how could we direct them? What were some lessons learned historically about Brother George Floyd of what's happening with law enforcement in America? I think I'm going to piggyback on what Kimmy said. Uh, I really think, uh, I think our challenge is uh, we have to have a conversation with who they report to. Uh, I think uh, we, you said it so beautifully, man. I mean, all, all we got a right to do is mourn. I mean, that, that's heartbreaking, but that is the truth of it, man. I think that's it in a nutshell. When you talk about less words and really getting to the heart of it. And so when I look at those individuals that you, that you name, which I've, I've, I've had, a, had a great opportunity to meet them and have a conversation with them, those are good men. Those are great men. But I, I just think about what Kimmy said. Their hands are probably so tied. And, and they wish that they could do something. But protocol suggests if you get out the box, you got to get out the room. And it's, and it's a sad commentary that we have to protect. We have to protect our, 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 our ability to earn when we get in certain positions. And I think that's the reason why we, we continue to wonder why. 
<laughs> you know, and, and, and it's and it's a sad commentary. But I would challenge them to I, I, I would I know the next time I see one of them, who really runs this? Who, who, who really runs this ship? You know, who, who really who really can sign off on this? Because right now we're just humming along to the same song that we've been singing and we've been marching to since 1967. And, and I don't think anybody will argue with that. And again, I, I don't know what that next level looks like. Uh, because I only know the Harringtons and the Axel. That's 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 as far as my reach go. My I, I can't reach no further than that. And 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 I and I just have to believe, you know, they their their hands are tied. You know, and and who can do the untying? You know, who who can begin the mending? Because we know right now uh, the way that we do this, and it's so funny. We've we've had a conversation like this about our organization. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result. I completely agree. <laughs> Very well said. Completely agree. And the men that you named, these are our modern day heroes for me. Yes. These are men that we should be learning about and teaching in elementary schools. Yes. These are our living legends. Yes. 100%. And I agree with everything Stevenson just said. But for me, it's not that their hands are tied. It's that where social justice movements want to push, they don't look at the legislature. So they're like, well, I can't, there's nothing we can do there, but there's something we can do here. But we don't look, we don't read the letter of the law. We don't, right? Because the people that you just named, most of them are lawyers, I've been in such intimate contact with lawyers and the law for so long. Yes. They're constantly being consulted by lawyers to see which way we can navigate. Right. But it, for me, it really actually comes back to what you spoke about earlier in regards to economics, because we cannot create a plan for avoiding police officers. That makes no sense for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. That makes no sense for yes. me. Yes. Right. Right. But we can create a budget to address the trauma that police officers and sheriffs experience. Mm-hmm. Yes. We can create a budget to address the trauma that community experiences in relationship with law enforcement, in relationship with being in jail. Yes. Yes. We can actually create a budget for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The state of Minnesota has a billion dollar surplus. That means you can give me $100 million to address all of this over 10 years, and it wouldn't even touch your budget. A budget for consequences. It's not a, it's, but it's not consequences. Because if, if you're dealing one day, I, I happen to do jiu-jitsu with a lot of police officers, right? If you're dealing one day with a, a mother who put her child in the microwave, and the next day, you're dealing with a father that's trying to sell three of his kids to the pedophile up the street. There's trauma there, right? So as the more trauma that becomes, the more you start associating that with a particular group of people, especially if you don't live even in that county, let alone that community, brother, right? 
So then you start to get this association with that community as being an expression of the worst aspects of humanity because that's all you're called to see. You don't call the police. You don't call the sheriff and be like, hey, we're having a great time. Like, that's just not, you call them in dire situations. You call them to walk into traumatic associations. So they begin to associate that trauma with said community and they start treating that community in the same way that a prison warden would create or would associate the jail. That's well said. I think Otis had mentioned that earlier about, you know, the role of the police in regards to our communities and how they view it. And like you said, uh, once they hear a call in that certain area, they're already geared up. Their mind is set to go get it. You know, it's like click. You know, I'm going over here to the east side. Yep. Get ready. Yep. But that's a survival mechanism. Yes. That's how you survive yeah. the job, mm-hmm. right? That's how you make it your 20, 25 plus years and finally get to that pension, right? Yeah. And you do that within the framework of your team and you don't go outside of your team, right? And then there's the the trauma of the team as well, mm-hmm. which obviously manifests with the perspective of the community as with police officers traumatizing community sheriff's traumatizing communities but as far as action steps because that's what i heard yes you say yes in regards to what these heroes yes could help ujama place facilitate give us a budget the conversation we have is naturally uh devin into um politics um uh bringing attention to what's happening on the from our national commander in chief uh, some of the rhetoric that's been spewed out for racial divide. Uh, let's spend our last moments together on this podcast talking about the impact of having elected officials, our ability, our action step as always to exercise our right to vote, to express our our concerns and our desires to be represented by somebody think like we do. Um, if could I just get you to weigh in on that. This is a 2020, uh, very uh, powerful election year. What are your thoughts on just um, the power to vote and the, uh, and the impact that the commander-in-chief of this country is having on this discussion that we're having? Vote. Yes. Period. Vote at the local level, vote at the state level, vote at the national level. Vote, period. I'm not, I don't think that the uh, current person and president really deserves time within the framework of our conversation because he's not part of the solution right now. But that doesn't mean he's not the president. He's the president. My interest right now is how our local politicians from the governor on down can help create sustainable solutions for our communities, particularly our cultural communities. Because regardless of who we vote in, these people are not kings and queens. They actually have to work together, right? Yes, yes. We're a representative democracy, which means we just vote for representatives in our particular area, and then those representatives have to work together as well. 
I think that's so well said because my heart is is in the local area. I I, I hate to say this, but I think on a national level, uh, I, I, I think, man, I don't think it's an election. I think it's a selection. But I do believe at the local level, I do believe that's where our power lies. And I think that's where that's where you set the example. I think that's where you set the tone. So I'm just 100 percent with that. And, and I say local, local, local. I appreciate all of your input on this uh, on this very important issue. Again, going to vote is something that's uh, that's dear to my heart. I think it's something that will help moving the needle of what, and as we stated earlier, it looked like time is standing still, but we have to keep on pushing on forward here. Our deepest prayers and thoughts are with um, with this country, with Minnesota, are with the George Floyd's family. Our prayers and well wishes for comfort are there. Uh, we do realize that as we move forward here, uh, what salt has been pulled on an open wound that was slowly healing, was trying to heal. And uh, we all pray for for some type of solace It's going forward. It's a very difficult time. Uh, we struggling with with the uh, racial divide. It's important that we acknowledge what's on the table here. We are seeing this fear and we're seeing uh, the, the idea of a black man being prosperous is being challenged. It's been fearful, and it's like somebody trying to move back the needle backward here. So again, I appreciate you brothers taking time to share your thoughts with uh, the Ujama family and our listening audience. I want to thank uh, brother Demonte. Uh, he was trying des- he was trying desperately to get in the studio with us. Uh, he's had to call from um, his, force, his place of employment. We appreciate you taking this time to represent your brotherhood, uh, Stevenson. No doubt, my brother. Thank you for your wise comments as well, and uh, and Kimmy, we really appreciate the value brought to this podcast, and we think we uh, we are definitely trying to get people going forward to listen to what we have to do. So we would like to invite you all to join in on our conversation by posting your thoughts and questions on social media at Ujama Place. And Ujama is U J A M A A Place. We appreciate your thoughts and comments on this podcast. Listen to a black man's sketch on iTunes and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook at a black man's sketch. Yeah.